From HuffPost Canada, you're listening to Born and Raised. Welcome to Season 2! My name's Aldonado, and you might remember me from our first season when we cooked up some tasty food stories from children of immigrants. Allow me to introduce you to our new co-host for this season, Alicia Sani. Hey Al, I'm happy to be here for this season. Happy to have you. So Alicia, you and I worked together, and when it came up that Born and Raised was getting a season two, you were like, I have a treasure trove of stories, I'm dying to share, and I was like, yes! Now I'm coming from a place where, as a Filipino-Canadian who was born here, I feel a step removed from culture, right? And I'm so curious as to how others navigate creating those connections. Where are you coming from, Alicia? I'd like to call myself Generation 2.5, actually. Ooh, 2.5. Why? I was born in Ottawa, but I feel like my experience <laughs> merits 2.5 because my mom was born here. She grew up actually in Alberta, but she's of Indian origin. Both of her parents are Indian. And my dad is also Indian, but he came to Canada from India in his 20s. So I think that has shaped a lot of how I've been raised, of course. And for me, born and raised just encapsulates this beautiful mix of being in a family of a different culture, but growing up here, what that means and how people like us have to navigate dating, love, all of these things in a Canadian context. It's all so different. It's all Mm -hmm. so different. It's so nuanced by the fact that we have another culture that's part of our identity. Now this season, Born and Raised is switching gears from food stories to love stories. And love is a pretty big topic. Love is messy, it's frustrating, awkward, painful, it can be super embarrassing. But of course, love can also be affirming and supportive and eye-opening and inspiring. All the adjectives. (laughs) (laughs) And it only gets more complicated when you're a child of immigrants. We'll be listening to ways second-generation folks are figuring different types of love out, just like we are. Alicia and I, we're going to be sharing some of our own adventures with you, so expect to get in our feels together. That's right. And we're kicking it off with romantic love. So the first story we've got for you is a very sweet meet cute, if you will. It's a classic boy meets girl story. Oh, cool. But obviously this one has a born and raised twist, right? Well, of course. But it's more like boy meets girl and then his family meets her family. And as you'll hear, their cultural backgrounds play a big role in how they get and stay together. This is the story of Famida and Ahmed. I was born and raised in Toronto, but my parents are Bangladeshi. My name is Ahmed Saleh. I'm an Afro-Arab from Zanzibar and Oman. I remember like not actually ever being introduced to him. But I was like, okay, like, cool, I'll follow this person on Instagram. It's not that he was like really popular on Instagram, but he didn't follow me back. I thought that was so rude. I was like, that guy is so full of himself. (laughs) How could he not follow me back? So I got her number. I texted her. And I spelled her name incorrectly. Forgot to mention that. And definitely not appreciated it. And I think because of that, she didn't respond to me for about 24 to 48 hours. It was three hours. In my head, that's 24 hours. (laughs) Our friend put us in touch. We texted for a few days and then we went on a group date because we wanted to keep things really halal. (laughs) I think within the first month, I knew that I really, really liked him. I sent him a text message one night after talking, like after we had hung up on each other. And I was like, okay, Ahmed Saleh, like I would like to get married to you. Let's discuss next steps. So there was not really a proposal. (laughs) I kind of declared my intention this to marry him. 
Yeah. She just claimed me. Yeah, and he <laughs> he responded with like, I think my brain just exploded. <laughs> as soon as I got the text message, I kind of called my parents and, and let them know early on, like, hey, there's this person. Just letting you know. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to keep my parents in the loop. I wanted them to feel involved. Reason being is that because we are second generation, I could foresee a lot of things that we would do differently. It's almost like every time you do something, it has to be calculated because you're you're a member of the Muslim community, the African community, the Arab community. You're also a Canadian. You're also young um, and you're also like a visible minority. And so there's a lot of thinking even into something really, really small. When we started talking, we knew that we couldn't just talk to each other because like that was going to be fun or whatever. Like it wasn't casual dating. There is no such thing as casually dating when you're a Muslim. It's always kind of like, okay, if we date, that means that within the first few weeks, we're going to tell our parents that there's someone we're talking to so that they kind of know and know that we are going about it with intentions of something long term. So that's how I've navigated uh, dating for the last few years. And that's how we also uh, began our relationship. And this was just the beginning, because now they had to plan a wedding. It took us months to get to the point where our parents like could kind of finally agree on what they wanted to do. So the bride and groom actually aren't that involved in the planning, especially in like the initial talks. It's like considered um, something that the families take care of because the bride and groom are supposed to be like bashful and shy. Because two sets of parents are heading the show, working out how to please everyone has been pretty tricky. So the first challenge for Famida and Ahmed was figuring out where the celebrations, that's right, celebrations in plural, would take place. For Ahmed's family, correct me if I'm wrong, they don't have any family members that are living in Toronto. So while they've lived here for the last 25, 26 years, they don't have a lot of, they don't have a big community here. And so it was actually important for Ahmed's family to have the wedding in Oman. And that was a little bit crazy to me and my parents, but my dad also really likes Ahmed, really likes his family and was like, okay, we will do what you'd like to do. But having the wedding in Oman came with a new set of challenges, mainly that Famida's dad wouldn't be able to go because long flights are a health risk for him. So they decided to have the nikah in Toronto. So for majority of Muslims, there's a very religious event called the nikah, and that kind of anchors everything else, regardless of culture, because this is where the legal aspect of the wedding happens. So this is where you actually kind of say your vows and say, I would like to marry X or Y person. Man proposes to father, can I marry your daughter? Hopefully he says yes. If he says no, then, you know, then it gets really messy and spicy, but usually they say yes. So for Omanis, the general traditional structure is that you have that nikah, which they actually call a mulka, happens in a mosque with only men. Now here in Canada, Muslim communities, when they do the nikah slash mulka, it's men and women. So initially when I heard about the male only ceremony, you know, I put on my woke hat and I was like, this is problematic. I'm not having it. But then it kind of balanced out in the end because we got like this five star hotel for the reception. And, you know, the guys just like go to a mosque, have some coffee and dates. And like, that's a wrap. Whereas the women get like a DJ and this like reception. Hey, but and you'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah. But like, it's... 
it's interesting. The gender dynamics are definitely like fundamentally different. One principle that's really important is compromise, which, you know, when it comes to culture, that's like the word you don't, the C word you don't say. You know, I'm not compromising. You know, this is who I am. This is where I'm from. Why should I, you know, do less? If we took an absolutist approach to culture, sure, we could make one side happy, but then the other side wouldn't be happy. To honor my parents is really important, especially considering that now that I'm starting my own life, I won't have that opportunity every single day to honor my parents. So I think, you know, with the time they have left, I'd love to, to honor them and make them as happy as possible. They weren't as privileged as I am today, and that privilege comes from the fact that they both came to this country as refugees, and their ex their experiences as refugees has been really difficult for them. And I also recognize that when they were getting married, they didn't have an opportunity to do all the things that maybe they wanted to do. Things aren't going to be quote-unquote perfect the way that we had imagined them but maybe the new version of perfection is this like compromise is this new fusion of cultures that we've created that works for us so that's been a lot that we've learned so what are Emmett and Famita most looking forward to I think I'm looking forward to all the really cool Instagram captions I'm going to post. One I've been thinking about is, um, so Omanis usually wear like a dagger. So at the Nikah, I'm going to wear like a dagger with a scarf tied around it. And for my Instagram caption, I wanted to write something like, well, a lot of people talk about having the strap. I actually have one. No, I thought you were going to say that you're excited about showing Oman to me. Like, that's what you've been parroting this, these last few weeks. Yes, and the captions. I'm just excited to be married and to spend the rest of my life with my pocket prints. This contract between him and her will be in this print. So we were lucky enough to go to Famida and Ahmed's nikah in Toronto. I've never, besides like my own blood, I've never met anybody who genuinely cared for my excessive well-being and my success. And I think that for me is like a really, it's a really big deal because on my own, you know, I wouldn't do much for myself. Oh, I get so shy when it comes to talking about my feelings. I will say that for a long time, I was really cynical about love. And also for a long time, I didn't think that I deserve the love that I have right now. For the first time in my life, somebody has shown to me that they actually care more about me and my well-being and my success than they do about their own. So to Ahmed, I say thank you. And I'm very excited for the next 100 years of our lives together. And uh, you better not leave me before I leave you. Or else I'll be really mad about it. <laughs> this couple is goals. Not just for getting together, but they achieved the impossible, Alicia. They pleased their moms and dads. They're immigrant moms and They're dads. They're immigrant moms and dads. That's it's wild. wild. <laughs> I feel like managing family expectations is a huge part of the second gen experience. Mm -hmm. Like for many of us, it's challenging to balance what our families expect of us and then what we actually want in a partner without them breathing over our shoulders. It's kind of endearing because you know it's out of love, but let's be real, it's also very annoying. <laughs> 
Alicia, it sounds like you're talking from personal experience. Have you felt a similar pressure? Well, let's just say my mom wouldn't hesitate to tell me to download apps to meet South Asian professionals. <laughs> and my grandma, you know, she has hundreds and hundreds of Facebook friends. My grandma will periodically go through her list of Facebook friends and start naming aunties from God knows where and their sons and their grandsons who are of eligible age. Oh my God. It's whatever. I'm She's so proactive. used to it. Yeah. <laughs> now, hearing about you and hearing about Fumir and Ahmed, it's kind of inspiring me to step into the shoes of an immigrant parent and try my hand at setting up a love story between second geners. So I talked to professional matchmaker Camelia Ray, who specializes in pleasing immigrant parents. She helped me plan a date for two complete strangers. I'm Carmelia Ray, a celebrity matchmaker, online dating expert, and the host of the reality TV show Mom vs. Matchmaker. I am from an immigrant family. I had to deal with adjusting to North American living and satisfying my parents. So I'm uniquely prepared to help people given that I've, I've had this experience. You know, I'm matching the single person that has this ideal and then I've got to, uh, they've got to go through a secondary approval. So if I didn't have the approval of, of mom or that concern, great, well, there's only one person I need to please and that's the single. But in reality, I've got to also please the mom. Oh, you know what? They don't have a university education. I don't care that they're hot and we have great chemistry. Without that piece of paper, mom is not going to accept that. Or, oh, they're not of Roman Catholic descent. That's where it starts to become really tricky. And it's just more work for me. It's just a lot more work for me. Now, I'm not an immigrant parent, and I'm not trying to set up doctors with lawyers, so this is probably going to be a breeze. But when we put out a call for potential singles, it became clear everyone was looking for something particular. For weeks, we were getting submissions that sounded like this. Must love dogs. Is traditionally minded. Must be okay with me rambling about my interests and referencing vines. Ride bikes with around the city and just like chill out with. And I'll admit, I was looking for something particular too. Maybe not immigrant parent standards, but I wanted to at least get two nice people who have common interests to have a good time together. At any rate, I thought, how hard could it be? It was so hard. <laughs> it literally took a full month to find two compatible, decent human beings. When I reported back to Cremelia, she gave me a matchmaker wake-up call. Like a qualified match would take from from six to eight weeks. It could take upwards of, of two, three months to find a life, a, like an equivalent life partner. Yeah, and this was so me trying some, to find yeah, a blind for someone date. Who, right, for someone who's coming to a matchmaker with an expectation that they're going to get dates every Friday night, wrong perspective. You saw the challenge of what it looked like just getting two people to go on a date with with a degree of compatibility. Yeah, your job is exhausting. <laughs> In the end, I found two people I thought would be perfect together. Meet Michael. He works with immigrant youth as a counselor. <laughs> uh, the type of person I'm looking for is someone who is strong in their identity. They know who they are. They know um, what they believe in. And here's Latifa. She works in public relations, and her idea of Mr. Wright sounded like Mr. Michael. What are you looking for in this date? <sighs> Good conversation. When it came down to where they should go, we thought it'd be nice if they met up at Tuk Tuk Canteen in Toronto, 
which you might remember as Mike Tan's restaurant from episode 2 last season. So we put microphones on them and sent them on their way, and Michael and Latifa got off to a good start. Wow, this looks good. That looks really good. Right? Yeah. You mind if I take a photo? Yeah, quick. <laughs> I always have to take a photo. <laughs> yeah. I don't even post it on Instagram half the time. Do you just keep it for yourself? Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Keep, I keep memories, right? You could be like a food blogger with all the food that you have. They even got pretty personal. Latifa opened up to Michael about her secret dating life. Um, do your parents know that you're on a date right now? Uh-uh. Who knows that you're on a date right now? Only my friends do. Like, if I'm ever dating, mm-hmm. only my friends know. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty solid date. I mean, they talked for three hours. I thought it went well, but I wouldn't be sure until I asked them. Michael was a solid yes. But Latifa. Um, probably as friends. The fact that I went on a blind date and then that me and this person like have a lot of similarities and we kind of connect really well is crazy. And maybe I should start making my friends put me on blind dates. (laughs) As we were talking, I was kind of reflecting and saying maybe it is time to kind of talk to my parents about this and just kind of get like an honest, like just to be transparent and be like, okay, so I'm at an age where I'm kind of, you know, independent, I have my own job, I'm doing my own things, like how do you guys want me to meet people and I just want some advice from you, right? Um, So yeah, this maybe might be a doorway into, (laughs) hey parents, (laughs) hello. The one thing that even a matchmaker can't predict is chemistry. Right. So this was a 10 out of 10 first date. You did an incredible job. Thank you. Really good job. So I got in, I went into it thinking with the mind frame or with the mindset, I have to make sure that they want to see each other again. Yeah, to me, they that both, would be they like both, a success. They, they both did want to see each other again. Yeah, even though she was like more as like as yeah, friends. as friends. Because what that tells me is just he's not, she doesn't have a sexual romantic attraction, but it's undeniable that you matched people that met enough criteria that they had a great time. It didn't seem forced. The conversation flowed. And now... She's going to have a dialogue with her parents. So this Fingers is crossed. what, yeah, yeah, that's so great. Thank you. Really well, I was good. just following in your footsteps. Ah. The Camellia Ray way. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Alicia, this might sound weird, but having this end without a second date makes me really empathize with the moms and dads out there whose kids are rejecting the people they set them up with. Okay, Al, I'm going to give you some tough love right now. Hit me. That's just not how love works. Ah, you're right. You're right. Dates are not going to be magical all the time. Yeah. And you know what? The stakes were low for me because neither of these people were my kids. Imagine how much more attached I'd feel if I was a parent trying to make a love match. Well, at the end of the day, only you know who is right for you and your family has to respect that. But obviously, my heart goes out to those immigrant parents who are on the hunt. And hey, if the search for someone who gets everybody's approval is too hard, you can always hire a matchmaker. Another thing I took away from this date was really relating to Latifa and how she kept her dating life a secret from her parents. My mom doesn't know that I date, and it's probably going to stay that way for a long time. And living like this means I can't really open up to her about who I'm catching feelings for or if my heart gets crushed a tiny bit. Well, Al, it took me a long time to tell my parents about my first relationship. 
I mean, they knew about him, but they didn't meet him until over a year later. Wow. Why did it take that long? It was really built up in my head that he had to be a certain way and check off certain boxes for them to approve of him. So in my mind, I was waiting for these things to happen. And I definitely waited too long, I think, because they, they did like him. But, but I think this really just speaks to how there's an unspoken rule when you're a second generation kid that you can't just be dating someone for the sake of dating someone. You, if you're bringing someone home, there's the expectation that it's because you want to marry them. Yeah, you're going to put a ring on the finger. Mm. Exactly. You might not be doing it right away, but you're definitely dating someone seriously and with a purpose. Otherwise, why are you bringing someone home? That's a really tough situation to be in. I mean, before that, when we were seeing each other, but nobody really knew, there were a lot of excuses I had to come up with. Oh, yeah? Like, just logistics-wise of going on dates... There's just a lot of subtlety and... You mean sneaking around? Yeah. Sneaking around. Okay. Yeah, that's what I, I feel mean. You. Were you also like me being like, oh, I'm at the library? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, all your girlfriends become your cover stories. You're mm. always sleeping over at their houses. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're actually getting hotels or Airbnbs. <laughs> oh my God, really? Yep. <laughs> I know a lot of other second gen people in our boat. From the outside looking in... It kind of seems like this behavior is like deceit, you know? And it, it kind of is, but not in the disrespectful way. A lot of the time, North American narratives showcase healthy relationships as being completely open from the get-go. But you and I both know that's not always the best option. Yeah, the fun of dating around might not be appreciated by an immigrant parent. So love lives end up going undercover. But Anna Simone George can speak to this experience. She's a comedian who runs her own show in Toronto, called Shade. And my dad thought that the best way to introduce me was to go, this is Anna. She has a show for the Muslims and the gays. I'm a Muslim, I have a show, I have a Muslim. I have a show for like everyone that isn't a straight white guy, sorry, but apparently that just means the Muslims and the gays. Yeah, I'm not Muslim. Uh, Uh, Shade is a comedy, well, it's like a variety show, stand-up comedy base that I host. Uh, it's for people of color, women, and people from the LGBTQ community. Shade has been my, like, invisible partner. Like, I will do anything for that show. In her own act, Anna Simone talks about family. And in real life, her family has a lot to say about her single status. My dad is worried, my grandma's worried, because, like, I'm past the expiry of, like when I should have been, like I should have been married like five years ago. And my dad sense, he sees me now where I'm like very career focused and he's like, what's wrong with her? Like, why isn't she meeting anyone? Why isn't she dating anyone? Like, what the hell is going on? Like when I was casually dating for a couple of years, my mom was asking so many questions. Like, what does he do? Like, who is he? Like, when am I gonna meet him? Are you guys gonna get married? And I'm like, I just wanna be able to like navigate this relationship without you in my ear about it and I get it like they're concerned they want to make sure that I'm meeting somebody that's up to their standards but also their standards are like so warped I'm not in a place in my life right now where if I was dating a woman for instance where I would be able to just be comfortable right off the bat and be like meet my parents because that's a whole other thing like I'm not out to my parents 
like they come from a culture where that's not something that's like talked about or addressed or anything and like homosexuality is like just a big no-no my worry with them is like if i bring somebody home that i'm not going to get married to they're going to be like what are you doing the thing is this divide between what anna simone shares with her parents and living openly as a bisexual woman isn't disrespectful in fact it's because of the respect she has for her parents that she keeps quiet it's one thing to say or do something to your parents but it's another thing when you realize that they're also explaining themselves to an entire community the thing with being a child of immigrants is that your secret is also 300 other people's secrets and your issue is 300 other people's issues so that's where she's at right now that might change one day, maybe, but that's not anytime soon. Right now, Anna Simone is deeply entangled in her love of stand-up comedy. Shade is the one show where I'm like excited and nervous to go on stage and make sure that the audience is happy and make sure that these people go home happy that they came to this show. I watch porn every day. Like before I go to sleep, some people pray. I just surf the net, you know? <laughs> It's how I get my glow before shows. Uh, <laughs> masturbation. Some of you are confused. It's not fancy. It's my wrist. Um. It's, it's taught me a bunch of things, but definitely vulnerability and what it means to love, I think. And also what love is to me. Like what, like it's no longer like this, like it's not a person. It's literally like all the people that come to shade, which is weird to say that you love like a hundred strangers, but yeah, I, yeah. That's where you're at right now. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, yeah, Alicia, the way comedy is for Anna Simone, have you ever felt that for something that's not a romantic relationship? I mean, I felt really deep connections with some of my friends. I think when you're single for long periods of time and you're just kind of looking for love, you don't realize some of the best things are right in front of you and the deepest friendships you have are actually very validating because you feel that sense of belonging and respect and connection. It's a very joyful, comforting experience to feel that with someone, even if it's just platonic. That's so sweet and just as valid, just as valid to cherish. I think for me... I feel a similar way about queer community. Like events like Anna Simone's where it brings us all together really makes us feel like accepted and warm even if we're not getting that from other places in our lives. And if you see someone cute in the crowd, that's just a bonus. It's icing on the cake. That's all from us. Born and Raised is hosted by me, Aldonado. And me, Alicia Sani. Our producers are TK Matunda, Stephanie Werner, and Aldonado. Our executive producers are Lisa Young and Andre Lau. Additional production work courtesy of Maya Kapler, Katie Jensen, and Vocal Fry Studios. A special thanks to all our guests. Anna Simone George, Latifa Farah, Michael Chen, Camelia Ray, Famita Kamali, and Ahmed Saleh. If you love what you just heard, there's more to swoon over. To see photos of our guests, show notes, and read a transcript of this episode, check out HuffPost.ca. Tune in for our next episode. It sounds a little like this. I think it's really cute, just like an older married couple watching lesbian porn together. I was like, whoa. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>